everyone, and we're live. You're tuning to Cosmic Children. I'm your host, Kevin, and today I have a fascinating individual in the studio with me. So I was introduced to this individual by the company that she runs, uh, and I thought that you were doing a very, very noble thing with the, the, the products that you put out and uh, the people that you've collaborated with with this company. And it is, it is, it is truly a, a very interesting uh, story. So, Elisa, could you please introduce yourself and tell the audience, uh, what is this company that you run and what do you do? Yeah. Hi, so I'm Elisa. And so at Well and Well, we design apparels. Uh, we started off designing apparels with the forethought of the marginalized, right? And that's your persons with disabilities, your caregivers, and your elderly. And that was the start um, because, uh, I, I mean, my training is in fashion design, right? So... Um, very naturally, how this all started was uh, using apparels as a medium, fashion and textile as a medium. Um, but after doing this a little bit more, we realized that you know there are very there are very similar problem statements that can be addressed using other mediums um, as well. And so, um, just one case is this, right? Um, we first thought to design uh, maybe a collection for caregivers, right? Uh, and as we were going on, we realized that even if we were to design the best solutions out there for caregivers, if fundamentally caregivers and their care receivers do not have a relationship, um, a healthy one, mm. if there isn't a, a, a way they communicate that could you know, support one another, then even if you were to give the best solution out there, it's not going to solve anything at all, mm. right? And so we thought, okay, so now let's take a step back then. What can we do as designers? I guess we thought, you know, maybe we could design a card game. Um, and it's essentially a conversational card game uh, where, you know, we thought that if these difficult conversations could be brought across in a lighthearted manner, um, maybe this could be a start of, you know, uh, a relationship uh, where where support is given um, mutually, right? So we thought, yeah, we would, yeah, you know, like designing card games. Yeah, we we do have the kind of skill set to to get around making that happen, and and so we designed something called Give Me a Hand, yep. um, and. Yeah, that that's that's one of the other things that we have started designing also that sort of um, expands beyond fashion textile. Yep. Yeah, we design we started designing workshops as well because we think that that came from the thought that, you know, if if there were more people with the skill sets that we have, uh, and if we could impart the way we think um, and approach design, maybe they could help themselves, right? Interesting. And this would multiply the impact. Yeah, so we thought, okay, let's design a workshop called So Simple. Yep. And then we started teaching. Uh, so, so that entire workshop consists of the technical aspect that we teach and also the design thinking approach that we teach. And yeah, Ever since then, we do have all sorts of people that come and, and learn from us, 
which is rather interesting as well. Um, could you take me back to the inception of the, the company and even the brand? Um, have you always had this uh, idea in mind to to do adaptive clothing for for people from uh, marginalized groups, or did it, or did the idea grow uh, grow with you, grow? on you or did you encounter something that, that kind of changed the trajectory a little bit? Yeah, so I guess um, something a little bit more different from myself and my peers is is that when I decided to do fashion design, it wasn't because it wasn't because of the fashion industry that I knew of first. I first learned of the craft. So that's sewing and pattern making. Um, and that's when I realized that, hey, what comes after making a blouse, a skirt, and a dress, <laughs> right? And then I was just thinking, okay, it must be more. But I had no clue. Um, and then I went to the library to start reading up a little bit more about fashion. And I realized that, oh, it's an industry in its own, yep. right? It's not just sewing and pattern making. <laughs> That's just one small part of it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and so I had spent a lot of time reading magazines in the library because mm. it would cost too much mm. to purchase exactly. magazines. Yep. And then then in these books, they they give you references to blogs. Mm. And back then, you know, like yep. it's all about the fashion blogging and all that as well. So this is kind of how I got exposed to the industry. And I thought, okay, now this sounds rather interesting. Um, not very common, mm. um, but worthwhile giving it a go because the craft is interesting, right? Uh, and I thought right after O-Levels, I was going to pursue that because mm. I am done with general studies. <laughs> so done. Yeah. As most people find out after O-Levels. <laughs> yeah, no, it's so painful. It was so painful. <laughs> yep. I feel like my most painful time in my life was like primary school and secondary school okay. just because it's... Yeah, I have no clue. <laughs> um, yeah, and then I decided that I was going to pursue fashion design in school. Um, and that was also when I got to learn more about the industry furthermore, mm. right? Um, and I was just trying to find a fit. Because, you know, as, as designers, as artists, you're always trying to find something for yourself, like yep. a, a language, mm, a yep, tone, yep, yep. right? A style that means, that represents you. But what really got me thinking is that, you see, I am this Singaporean girl mm -hmm. that has gone through the most difficult childhood growing up. And like I don't have a story like Alexander McQueen that had went through <laughs> all that kind of trauma growing up, you know? Yep. And I mean, my I grew up in such a warm and loving family. That it's is, pretty cozy. <laughs> it is. And I'm like, all right, I don't think I have a story to tell here. My story is pretty much the same as yours or mm. someone else in that sense, right? Mm. I'm just like really trying to dig something out of myself to tell, but I, I, it just got really tiring. So I'm like, if this is me, this is me, right? Yep. And And... And I felt really limited and I felt like, you know, I, I don't know what I have to offer. Um, and then in my third year of my diploma was when a doctor had approached me to make clothes for his patients. A doctor? Yeah, a doctor. Okay. Uh, honestly. Was it someone you knew 
before? Or? No, it okay. was like an acquaintance cousin. Wow. Yeah, it's like the only way I can honestly make sense of the whole event is to just really say the thing that it's it's a divine um, appointment. It's quite serendipitous. Yeah. It, it is. Yeah. Um, just because really, if you think about it logically, I am just finishing up my diploma. Mm. There are other designers out there, they are more established, they can do a good job. He wasn't trying to like undercut or like, you know, he he paid me decently um, for that job. Um, what, what do you want from you? He wanted um, outfits for his patients. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And something that is, you know, easy, comfortable for um, his patients to put on. Yep. Yeah. And, and when I first came across that, I was just, thinking that I mean I, I I never thought that my craft in fashion and textiles mm. could could do that mm. like could meet a need yep yeah because if you think about the fashion industry it can get a little frivolous a little it's it's it belongs to the luxury market mm. um, it belongs to a very different group of people definitely right the ones who can afford it mm. um yeah, and, and I didn't grow up in this space, so I knew nothing of that. Mm. Uh, but when when he brought that case up, it suddenly, it clicked very instantly for me because uh, I think, so, I mean, if, if I didn't grow up with luxury and I didn't grow up in like uh, all that um, fancy things and I didn't know of fashion, <laughs> then I got to know something else. Right? <laughs> and and I think that's a lot um, uh, about them about what my parents did um, they spend a lot of time with their community and and that's what I knew of yep right yep. Uh, and when he brought that up it sort of just made sense to me that hey maybe maybe my craft could be used to meet a community's need mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of how it all started yeah before we move forward with that I'm just curious to know what attracted you to fashion or the, the the craft of fashion what, yeah. what attracted you to it i i think i like the the sewing part it's it's really like craft as it is mm, right yeah. getting your hands on yeah. at it <laughs> and then the pattern making part sort of just made sense to me i mean i think that i like math I don't know whether I can do it very well, but okay. you see, it's kind of like an in-between. Okay, there are okay. numbers you got to make sense of, uh, proportions yep. and all that kind of stuff. Cal yep. Simple calculations, I would think, <laughs> <laughs> enough yep. to, to, to make sense of, of the pattern. Yep. So pattern making is like math. Yeah, it is. A little bit. Okay. Yeah. And it's not like drawing, drawing, you know, because like drawing, you sometimes just need a little bit more of that like... Uh, you you do have quite a lot of liberty, mm. right? But pattern making has kind of like there are rules to that. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because there are it's it's the body proportion you're playing with. Yep. So there are boundaries that you need to follow by, mm. and that makes it less intimidating for me. Uh, when you think about drawing mm. or when you think about craft yep. and art. Yep. Right. Yeah. Interesting because. If we were to we were to touch on pattern making, um, you mentioned that there are certain templates to to, to yeah. go by, but everyone's body is different. Yeah. Were you cognizant of the fact when you were going in and learning these crafts, like 
maybe some people do not fit those those particular body types and stuff like that. Honestly, when I had started, I, nothing of that came to mind before. Just mm. because I'm I'm really fortunate that the patterns that I've been drawing ever since school days, uh, they they fit me very well. So okay. I never had to think about how I can fit into a garment <laughs> in that sense. Okay, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, and and I guess it's only yeah as I as I move on and and learn more about. Uh, the craft and the industry that I yeah of course then I started getting a little bit more exposed to the possibilities of different body shapes and sizes different body forms mm. right and so I started my research trying to understand the seated posture versus mm. the standing posture interesting yeah yeah why these two distinct postures um so after I had attended to the doctor's patients, um, I, I thought about mm, which other groups of people can I, you know, try and understand their needs a little bit more. And I thought, and and he had a contact for me um, to people with muscular dystrophy. Mm. And so a lot of them use the wheelchair. And so it's the seated body. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. And that's that's kind of how it all started. It, it, it went on from, yeah. When... You got introduced to that contact mm -hmm. uh, and the people with muscular dystrophy. Um, how did you approach that? How was the process? How how did the process look like for that? Yeah, yeah. because it, it, it is a, a, a it feels like a different problem to solve. Yeah. yeah. So how did you approach that? It's very interesting, honestly. It's it's in. I mean, that's the social space, mm -hmm. right? We 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 come from the arts industry, the fashion industry, and then crossing into a social mm. social space was very interesting for me because it helped it it allowed me to look at, you know, what are ways I can go about navigating, what are the responses that these people in the space um typically have? Mm. Like how what are the things that they respond to? And it, I gotta say it's such a I, I I love that space a lot. They they have they that space is the they are the ones who first accepted me, uh, accepted the idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because they understood the needs. Could you could you expound on that a little bit? What yeah. do you mean by that? Yeah. Um. So the the needs are really like you know as as a as a as a wheelchair user, yep. they 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 understand that dressing gets very challenging for caregivers. And, and all these are, are existing problem statements that they always had, but had no solutions to. Mm -hmm. So when I came along, it clicked for them, right? It made sense. It, it didn't need, it didn't take me more to have to convince them that it's a problem, right? Okay. Whereas for other industries, in fact, even the design industry itself, I had to point out to them that, hey, there are needs like that, right? But in the social space, it's straight up. It's like speaking to occupational therapists. They understand this straight up because like they, they they deal with patients with all these kind of challenges all the time, but they just haven't got a solution around. Yeah. Um, so so it's easy to get around that. And the process was um, first trying to understand um, what these challenges that they have, right? And how how is it that I as a designer can try and understand it even though I am not a user myself? Um, so very intuitively, 
all this process, it's, it's, I mean, if you don't know something, you just got to look into it. And how do you look into it? You observe, you do interviews, you do different things. Yeah. Um, we once even designed a toolkit to try and understand if, if um, emotions and, and colors, uh, how, how do they correlate? Do they affect how do they affect the mood of a person and if whether we could come up with something uh, universal enough, right? Yeah, and, and we we designed a toolkit where, you know, and, and, and even relating it with um, textile mm. to touch. Yep. Yeah, so we, we designed a tool, a box, we put in different kind of fabrics in there and we asked people to touch and related with an emotion yep. likewise with colors and stuff so we do all sorts of stuff to try and understand um, a problem yeah. so i guess first and foremost how it might differ from the traditional fashion making process is about to understand the challenges and the need that both the caregivers and the care receivers might face yeah pretty much and that that was when we realized that hey you know it's it's far beyond just caregivers and care receivers, right? Each of us do have very different um, style preferences, mm. uh, ways of that we like putting on a shirt or, or et cetera, right? Mm. Um, yeah, and how would that look like? How could that look like for the, 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 the wider group of mm. people? Mm. Yeah. So- when I was researching for this particular episode and looking through the website mm-hmm. and the uh, social collaterals and stuff like that, I think a word that stood out to me was dignified. Yeah. Um, it stood out to me because I don't see that word commonly used in association with clothing yeah. or wearables and stuff like that. So I'm just curious to know, um, why is the word dignified? What does the word mean to you? And yeah. why is it used to describe uh, the, 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 the type of clothing that you do? Mm. So... I think it well I I think it's it's all the more prominent right uh, especially with with um people with disabilities just because functionally uh physically they are they are limited in some some ways or another which then oh oops okay I will continue <laughs> um and and I was just yeah about dignified right? <laughs> uh, where do you want to collect yourself? Thoughts. <laughs> okay, okay, yes, yes, I got it. I, I got okay, it back. Found it. I found it. Thank God. It didn't fly too far away. <laughs> um, but yes, about dignified and how um, persons with disabilities, especially you know. When it comes to f- physical dis- disabilities, it, it's it's all the more prominent, right? Um, just because uh, you're dependent on someone else to to do things for you, mm. and and because of that limitation, then um, sometimes it does get. Um, it, sometimes you just don't get it the way uh, best for you, right? Um, I mean, it. As I'm speaking about this, I have like like images in my head about how this could look like. I, mm. I mean, yeah. If if you were to visualize like somebody who is um 
dependent on caregiver's help. But a caregiver is really stressed out by the entire situation, just really tired already. Mm. And so imagine you're so tired already. Would you still ask? Would you would you still take the effort to to ask someone what color would you like to wear today? Mm. You see, so these things are these things are emotionally important, but like physically and functionally, no. No, mm. right? But but that also means dignity for someone else to even be able to decide for themselves independently saying this is what i like to wear today this is how i would like to dress uh express myself today and yeah i mean i don't i don't think anyone's at fault over here really um but i think that there can be a lot of education uh, and nurture that goes around this space such that you see caregivers and care servers are able to understand how they can support one another mm. in a dignified manner. Mm. So let's say even this this is very applicable in the role of a caregiver as well. You see, how is it that uh how is it that we can create dressing processes such that caregivers feel dignified helping someone else? Mm -hmm. So right. It's a two-way street, it's, right? It's yeah. two ways. Yep. Yeah. And and I mean, so these are these are more of the obvious ways of of seeing it. Mm. Um if we were to ask that question for ourselves, right? What are what are some things that we go around doing that we have forgotten about um with regards to dignity? Mm. Right? I mean, I'm just gonna leave it here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do, yeah. you, do you mean the things that we 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 overlook? Yeah, yeah. What are some details that we might have overlooked just because we because we live in a in a pace where the speed is? Oh, it's ridiculous. It's oh yeah, it is. It's ridiculous. It's funny how we say it's ridiculous and and we just don't have a way around it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, like like I always said, like when when people say. Oh, you must be busy. I'm like, come on, <laughs> come on, right? I think that even an unemployed person in Singapore is busy. Yeah, that's that's just a natural state My of things. My grandma is busy too. I have no idea what she does, but she's busy, yep. right? So there's kind of like an underlying current of like a little bit of anxiety there that you yeah. kind of have to be doing something with your time. If not, you're kind of like falling behind or whatever social pressures there might be. Yeah, I, I hope I didn't digress too far. But <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> We love digressions on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Interesting, interesting train of thought. Um, so, so to expand on how you, you write and you describe the, the, the clothing that you do, I'm just curious to know how, how do you think clothing affects us yeah. in the ways we can see and the ways we can't see? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, why do people pay so much money to buy clothes that just yeah, it's just clothes, you know. Why why do people spend so much money? And and I feel like a lot of that is It goes beyond function. It's it's clearly beyond function. <laughs> In fact, sometimes you pay so much money for that piece and it functionally doesn't even serve you. <laughs> True. What in the world? Yeah. And and so that speaks a lot of of what it means to a person or what it can mean to a person far beyond textiles mm. yeah far beyond the, the 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 physical element right um 
yeah so so it, it emotionally affects us and i mean if we were to just take a, a step back and think about ourselves when we look into our wardrobe on a monday right feeling all the blues yeah naturally i don't know for me that was once i just started i <laughs> like every monday i picked out a black dress <laughs> okay consciously or unconsciously it it's unconsciously okay yeah it's it's just like i i just need to be in a dress that makes me feel like like i'm not going anywhere mm. just makes me feel like i'm still in my pajamas <laughs> but i'm going to work yeah all right yep it's like you know the cho-cho that you bring around when you mm. like like kids bring that around it's an item of affection right yes yep. an item of affection a symbol of something also when I picked up that black dress, it it was a symbol of comfort for me. Mm. Um, yeah, and for some strange reason, it's just Mondays that I like to pick that dress. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> okay, and it does it. It, it serves me yep. in that in in that sense emotionally. It yep. gives me that comfort, right? And physically, very clearly, mm. um, why we have to wear clothes is is because it it, it protects our skin. Yep, that's it. Yep. Right. Um, yeah, as it is. So before, so when, when you were doing your research for Will and Well, mm. was this a particular element that you kind of noticed that uh, wasn't serving the needs of uh, people with disabilities? Like they are not being thought of in this way that um, uh, like the clothing should actually make them feel a particular uh, emotion. They should have a choice in what they might want to wear and stuff like that. Yeah, 100%. Back in the days when I was just first doing my research, it, it it was rather bizarre mm. to think that people are producing clothes for the sake of producing clothes that are functional. What do you mean by that? That means that so 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 when I was doing my research, there were a lot of these adaptive apparel solutions that that just has that has just no design thought. In, okay. in that in that piece mm. in these pieces right and and it's it's fundamentally rude okay <laughs> it's rude to, to I mean it's what, okay, why like, is it rude it's it's rude just because you know like a garment can do so much for a person um besides the physical aspect of it mm. of it right and and why why was that not why is that not being um cared for why is not why is that not being attended to i don't think it it asks for much you know what i mean mm -hmm. uh, yeah if you were just yeah i like as a designer i'm trying to empathize and see you know how is am i being too harsh about it um but i mean Thankfully, we have moved on from there, and and now designs are starting to look a things are getting competitive. Mm. <laughs> yeah, people people are realizing that you know, um, clothes are able to serve the emotional part as well, yep. and hence style is important. Mm. Um, yeah, for people to even have the option to um, consider different colors and styles. Yeah. Uh, are more available to this yeah because i would imagine if we just think about clothing and fashion going beyond the idea of function mm. it's mostly about expression yeah and it seems like we might have overlooked or 
not thought of uh, giving them the, the the tools of expression even. So yeah. now, now, right now, we are we you mentioned as as their brands uh, coming up to to serve those needs. Yeah, and and thankfully they they are more common now than otherwise. Yeah, but I I guess if we were to consider the the timeline of things and the progression of things, I must say is that at least um, these people had thought about addressing the functional needs of mm. of these people. So I mean. Thank you for starting that. Right? That is at least progress. <laughs> yeah, that's at least progress. Progress in the right direction, really. Yes, progress in the right direction. And then, yeah, I guess as we go along, we add in a little bit more. We we grow a little bit further, mm. push it a little bit further. Yep. Yeah. So what I find uh, to be fascinating about the products that you you you, you come up with are the, the customizations that you do and the features that you embed in the clothing, uh, be it hidden or not hidden. Uh, to serve the different needs that the the, the 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 individuals that come to you might have, so I'm curious to know how do you determine, how do you not overdesign it, yeah. like or overthink, or because there's there's so many problems to solve and so many needs to make. How do you dial down like uh, these are the three core needs that uh, my my product should meet, and that's it. Yeah, it's it's no, it's a constant. Um, seesaw. Okay. So I see it as a seesaw because, like you know, some things you have to give, some things you have to take, and 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 it really depends on on what is the primary uh, need. So so sometimes yeah, I can be doing a customization consultation with um, a client, and then they would they would be really ambitious. They would say, I need this, 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 and then we would come up with all these kinds of solutions, and then and then it comes to a point where like this is just like accept, like it's. It'd be great to have every bit of it, but um, that means we are forsaking some other bits, mm. right? Um, we can put in all the pockets in the world, but <laughs> imagine you're just probably going to look like a clown at the <laughs> okay. end of it, right? Now, what are we giving, mm. right? What, what are we taking? What are we giving? Mm. I mean, if you think that these pockets are going to, like you think you, you're going to rock in it and look great in it, I mean, by all means, right? Mm. Cool. We give you all the pockets, but 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 we try and do that for our clients. We help them weigh it out as well, and and when we're able to do that for them, they they and if we realize that this is something important for them, then we try and help them to reprioritize, mm -hmm. right? So for this garment, what are the key elements you want, right? And let's say if you want to meet that other need, could it be on another garment? Gotcha, right? Yep, so yep. it's just like. Balancing it out in that sense, yeah. How? So I guess it's it's more like a collaboration between the, yeah. the, the individuals and you and your team to sit down. And I imagine this process is it would take quite some time. Yeah. Wouldn't it run in contrast to the idea of how, as we talked about before, the speed at which let's say the fashion industry is moving? I mean, people are more cognizant of fast fashion these days, but yeah. it's still present. Um, it's a behemoth that isn't gonna go away like tomorrow. So yeah. the, the 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 things that you've just mentioned runs in total contrast because these things would take time, it would take thought, and it's 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 a process to figure out what functionalities I want in my garment, yeah. and that will take time to do it. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, it is a collaborative effort. Mm. So. During the consultation sessions, we try and keep it within an hour. <laughs> we try. <Yeah. laughs> but honestly... It doesn't sound very convincing. <laughs> no. 
uh, the first meeting, we, we try and keep it for one yep. hour. But then what you don't realize is that the following sessions are a little bit more tweaks, a little yep. bit more consulting and all that. And we try and not look at all that. <laughs> like, yep. I mean, if you were to add all that up, yep. it's not going to make sense at all, right? But but after all, um, it's, it's important. And, you know, having said about time, right? Well, we do have... We, even though we do not want to live in this state of speed, but the thing is sometimes life serves you with a certain timeline only. What do you mean by that? So we have clients who are making their last piece of garment and the doctors say, we do not know when this person is mm-hmm. going to pass. So you you are racing with... Yeah. Their own internal timeline, yeah. Internal time, yes. Yeah. And like, even though our policy is, you know, we ask for one to one and a half months to mm. finish the entire process, yep. but sometimes life isn't going to allow for that. And yep. and so then we, we try and prioritize. Yep. We, we will try and tell our other customers and then yep. we're going to ask for a shifting little bit more time, yep. shifting around because we have an emergency case yep. here. Um, so so that that is kind of how we we manage that and it's is really quite interesting. Oh and I think after all we're really thankful that you know sometimes these garments even though we thought that uh they're going to go with the person very quickly already in in fact people recover from their state. Mm-hmm. Yeah and then we have another problem. Now the garments now this person has 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 gotten so well that first have put on more weight. <laughs> this garment doesn't work anymore. Okay, now how can we re- redesign it? Yeah. Like how can we, you know, <laughs> expand the, yeah. the, 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 the original piece? Yeah. Yeah. So it's 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 very dynamic. It and sounds very dynamic. Yeah. yeah. And that's exactly what makes this whole thing so fun. Like it's it's so it's there's just so much um life in in that whole process. There's so much life in the opera. That is a very interesting way of, of summarizing a life because what you just said about you meeting your clients and customers that might not have that long in yeah. this world, I, I would imagine being faced with that, both one as a business owner, two as a as a designer, and just three as a human being. It, it's it's a lot of things to juggle at once and you still want to make it, but it's it's it, it's it's very different from uh, uh, a conventional piece of clothing because you you know that this could be the last thing that yeah. they wear and I think that that takes that extracts a heavy price on an individual when you consider the the, the magnitude of that because going back to dignity I think mm-hmm. you would want the person to feel a certain way comfortable uh, dignified when, when they wear the piece of clothing and it could be the last I think mm. <laughs> yes. that, that, is, that is pretty intense <laughs> It is. And 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 there was so I, I, I'm trying to recall now um the time when I had met one of the client and the doctor said, This is a young girl, mm. right? Um you might have read in a blog post about Amelia. The one with the, the lights? Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, hundred percent. She asked for lights on her on her dress. I'm just like Okay, girl. Okay, girl. You want it? We'll make it happen. I have no clue yet, but we will make it happen. How was she when you first met her? So she is non-verbal. Mm. She is uh, 
perpetually. She she sleeps for more than t- about 20 hours on average in a day. Mm-hmm. So she's only awake sometimes yep. in a day. And and those are some very precious moments back in back then because I mean because she was so unwell that the doctor was just really uncertain of mm-hmm. how long she has left. And and when I went there, you know, I was feeling all sorts of emotions because like there's a lot of pressure, like you said. Uh, there was also like that fear of not being able to do what she wants mm-hmm. and to deliver that. Uh, and to think of even what the doctor had said, right? Um, but when we were in the process, that was when so much life happened, like so much of life that happened because this is us trying to co-design for a girl who's non-verbal, but has a mind about how her dream dress is going to look like. She knows it exactly how she wants it, right? Between white lights and colorful lights, rainbow lights, she could say that she wanted white lights. Girl is classy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She knows. um, Between pink, blue, you know, she knows exactly she Mm. wants pink. Yep. Uh, I mean, she likes both because they are favorite colors of her favorite princesses, mm. right? But but she thought about how this would match the other elements in the dress. Mm. Yeah, um, and how we how we communicated with her was, um, we we would put the fabric on her hands where she can feel it, and then and then she would blink. Oh, interesting. As a response. Yep. Um, to yes and man when she doesn't blink she doesn't <laughs> blink <laughs> you, you break a sweat <laughs> yeah you know yeah. you know that's not getting through yep. no it was so funny because it got to the, the, the day when I had delivered the dress like when, when I was due to de- deliver the dress I went over to her place I was chatting with her mom and her sister outside and she knew that I was coming mm-hmm. right and she was in the room and then she decided to give us all a scare by holding her breath. So what happens is when she holds her breath long enough, um, an alarm will go off. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And she held her breath. And the alarm went off. Yeah, yeah. went off. Just to get her out of the room to meet me. Yeah, she wanted to see her dress. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, okay. Oh, dear. <laughs> yeah. She, she went to the extent to get our attention. Mm. <laughs> um. But yeah, it, it really, you know, just even even thinking about that whole process is it, it was such a it was such a ex- that like the whole process was full of excitement, full of um, yeah. It, even for herself, she was just excited about it. Yeah, and yeah. and even though we knew that 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 there is an outcome that mm. could possibly happen, mm. but. The whole process was just full of life. Yeah. Mm. That is that is amazing to hear because it feels like every every time a customer walks through the doors and speaks to you guys for like a custom piece, it's 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 a different piece. Yeah. It's gonna be a different piece because they have different needs, different challenges, uh they want different things, they're at a different point in their life, yeah. regardless. Yeah. Is that exciting? No, it's so dynamic, it's so exciting. It's it's worth doing it really. Like it's so worth it, even though sometimes, yeah, it doesn't <laughs> make sense. Yep. Yeah. I 
when when I was reading the blog and reading through the stories and the profiles that you have uh, put up there, it feels very humanizing, mm. at least to me, um, looking and reading the stories. Was there any particular uh, intent or view or vision you had uh, where when you started this business to uh, to to av- to avoid certain stigmas or misconceptions that people might have, but to put the the the, the people that you work with in this light? Yeah. yeah. Is so the question is if what was it always uh. Was it always your intent to yeah. to to cast the 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 models and yeah. people you have in this humanizing way? Because there are certain misconceptions and yeah. stigmas that people might have when they uh, encounter people with disabilities yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, no, hundred percent. In fact, um, a lot of the work that we do is is trying to educate people, <laughs> um, to to put them to 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 show people what the reality actually looks like and it's actually not too far away from us it's mm. it's not so unrelatable not so um hard to understand right cuz when you read the stories you 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 can understand it mm, definitely uh, yeah and when you can understand it then that's that's as much as i need you to know <laughs> <laughs> right yep. um yeah that that these are common things these are things behind the doors Right. Um, and and these are also people who would like to be acknowledged, mm. like to be known, like to be given a voice. Um, yeah. It's interesting. Um, I'm just curious to know. Um, the word inclusivity has been thrown around these days and being used as marketing and yeah. and for all sorts of campaigns and stuff. Like, I'm curious to know, what does it mean to you, the word inclusivity? Yeah. What does it mean for to you and I guess to a business to, to really embody that that particular term? Yeah. Honestly, I, I I still find it very hard to make sense of of the happenings around that word, right? Um, it's a very loaded word. It is yeah. so loaded. Yeah. Like... You can make a statement about it and then like somebody is gonna like <laughs> say something else about it and then yep. does it mean that it doesn't does it mean that you know it's not valid anymore? Mm. Um but I guess you know we we try and un- I, I I always keep myself at ch- like in check about that. Mm. Um but I, I still don't think I have like the the hundred percent um, answer to that but but how we relate and how we make sense of that at will and well is you know um, what we try to give a voice to and what we try to do is attend to um, details and needs that uh, have not been given a platform or a voice or an opportunity um, and and we want to acknowledge them. We want to include them. We want to have them um, journey with us because we think that they are important. We think that their needs are important. And it really is as it is, right? Um, yeah, whether or not you, yeah, whether or not you are amputated, whether or not you um, are, 
uh, seated perpetually or whether or not you yeah and anything really and anyone uh we we do not we do not say no to these things we do not think that it's not important enough to to attend to mm. yeah i it's a simple i think i think it's it's as simple as it is right and and i think what's more important is that we are able to do this consistently yeah to so that means when when we are small when we have nothing mm. when we become a little bigger we do have a little bit more and when we become big potentially we also do not forget this mm. right and and to continuously be that uh platform um be be the people to to continue represent the unheard yeah interesting that you you mentioned about uh when when you guys get bigger so i believe you started as a one man operation <laughs> 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 At least the, the article that I read told me. Yes, yes. <laughs> as as most uh, businesses do. Yeah. How how did you how, how how was the process going from that to expanding and hiring people yeah. and I guess even choosing the right people for it? Yeah. Do you look for anything in particular? Because this the 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 job that you do and the customers that you face yeah. and the, the clients you have goes beyond or ask a lot more than just a regular skill set. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Um, and honestly, right, just because, no, I, I'm, <laughs> I, I, for one thing, I'm really particular about the people who I bring along. Um, just because it's really important to be aligned, uh, in terms of, the importance of things, mm. right? I mean, we all have different priorities. We think certain things are more important than others and that's fine, right? But if you want to be on this journey where we perceive this as fundamental values, then then I need somebody who who, who believes in this yep. to run as well. Um, and yeah, it is, it is, it is hard. Um, not just because it's hard not just because um, it's hard to find somebody who writes along, who understands it mm. also, but let's be honest, right? It's a small business. We are we we cannot afford um, as people sometimes might wish to be mm. paid, mm. Um, and 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 there's no way to. I mean. Yeah, I, I don't know how to how to uh, convince you mm. to stay. Yep. Uh, if 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 your priority is, um, yeah, to need to uh, have a certain amount every month, yep. right? Yep. Um, yeah, and and if if you need to meet your needs in that way, then yeah, you could be part of it in another way. Mm. Right, so we have volunteers. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah, uh, people who really, really, really uh, believes in the things that we do and really wants to be part of it, but they are stuck with a bond. They're stuck with a what? <laughs> a bond, oh. like a like a government bond. 
<laughs> okay, okay, okay. Right? And yep. then like, okay, girl got her like server yep. born, so. Yep. But would you still like to stick around? Yeah, sure. For small stuff. Yeah, sure. And 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 we try and like work things around like that. Mm. So I think I think that's what we offer, right? The flexibility, the the really just creativity even uh, as to how you would like to be involved, how you can be involved. I think that's the fun part about mm-hmm. the things that comes around at Will and Well. Yeah. At what point of the journey of, of building the business did you realize that, oh, I really need to get someone to help? Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> I think I've always been on the lookout for help. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I've just always been on the lookout. Yeah. Um, and one came along. We have this volunteer, Dave. Dave yeah. is, oh my goodness, he's the first person who came on uh, on the journey with me. So Dave is the Dave has set the tone for Will and Well. Wow. What, yes. what does that mean? Um, so whatever you see on the website, the copies and all that, most of it were set by him. Mm. Yeah. Was it something he came up with or was it something that uh through through multiple conversations with you yeah. and he, he he did that? Yeah, it was the latter. Okay. So yeah, it was it was through understanding the heartbeat of Will and Well. And my own one actually, uh and 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 he 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 got it straight up. He's something else as well because he, yeah, he's he he, he thinks his mind is like in another world. <laughs> That's a good thing. Yeah, okay. it, it is. Yeah. I mean, like. <laughs> He doesn't belong to us. <laughs> and that's a good thing. And it's a good thing. Okay. It's so good. Okay. <laughs> because it's quite funny. So like how and then after Dave, there was there was um other people that came along and and that 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 basically set up um Will and Well that that really led us to where we are. Mm. Honestly, I must say, if it wasn't for my team, I don't know <laughs> um how 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 much more painful the journey would have been for mm. me. Mm. Uh, and thank God for them. I can talk to you over here about all these things, right? Um yeah, and and that's that's kind of how it all started with Dave, you know, attending to the the tone and the brand. Mm-hmm. Uh then there was Sui that came in to Make sure that if I want to do a business on the online, I need to set up cookies and stuff like this, which I never knew. <laughs> <laughs> and I wouldn't be able to help myself. Yep. And then came Cheryl. Cheryl is a full timer mm. at William Well. She first joined while she was still in school. And back then she was volunteering as well. Um I couldn't afford any of them. Um, but but we knew that. So so we have been in conversation and, and I knew that she would very much like to work at Will and Well when she graduates. And so that was the goal. That was to the goal was to be able to bring in money to yep. hire her full time. Yep. That was the only goal back then. <laughs> I'm <laughs> I glad mean, you did it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and thank God. I mean, thank God we we made it happen and then and then slowly we started uh slowly people writing in about internships mm. and then we started taking them and we started we, we 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 started yeah being able to pay according to you know what's 
out there. Yeah, and and yeah, I guess I guess we're still in the process of that. Um, yeah, hopefully by next year I will be able to bring in some of these interns who have, um, you know, made mention that they would potentially yep. like to. Um, join us full time when they graduate. So yep. I guess, <laughs> fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what has running the company taught you about yourself? Um, it's been an incredible journey. Is it yeah, five, six, seven years. Honestly, the business only started almost four years ago. Mm. But the research, the whole journey, um, started yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. maybe seven years eight years ago yeah seven years ago and first firstly when I was 18 I had decided that I was never going to do business why? <laughs> yeah because I thought that it would require too much of an integrity of a person to do a good business that you will compromise your integrity to do good business? yeah okay like like to 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 run a business that is good it would require this level of integrity. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and I just didn't think that I had it in me uh, back at 18 years old. And I was just like, ah, you know what? Don't need to think so much about it. You know, no integrity. That doesn't matter. All right. And we're not going to do business. We're going to do something else. All right. Okay. Let's move on. Okay. <laughs> um, but who knew that? When so I, what changed? Um, I guess when I was put, I guess... On that journey of even first understanding the needs of the users, that was when I really had to face with, um, yeah, being honest with myself if the design that I put out actually meets needs or not. Mm. So that's when I started learning the importance of integrity even as a designer. Integrity as a designer? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, because... If you say that this piece of product is going to help this person, you got to be dang sure that it does, right? If not, your statement is flawed. Yep. Your design is flawed, right? Um, and I mean, honestly, till today, I don't think that my solution may serve everyone's needs. Mm -hmm. But if if it does, um, for for the certain people who meet, like, I mean, we do have we do have products that do not, very, 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 very basic level, right? Uh, let's say if our size is unto L, mm. <laughs> if you are bigger than that, if you cannot fit, then technically it doesn't fit, yep. right? Um, so we don't take it upon ourselves that way. We're not like too hard on ourselves. Um, but but if fundamentally you say that this design solves this need, then it should, lah, right? Um, and so that's when I was, um, I guess that's where I started learning and facing myself uh, honestly and with my work, right? Uh, and I, I think, I guess after a bit of, uh, you know, having to rough that out <laughs> with myself, um, I realized that that is a very important value in the business. Yeah, and uh, in the design front mm -hmm. and the business front. Yeah, the integrity is, is very important. Because if we say we represent these people, you you better do so. Yeah. If if not, it's gonna bite you somewhere. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> For one. Yep. And and yeah, I, I think that's that's the that has to be the the lamppost. 
Um, so that's something that I had learned. Um, I'm still learning, honestly. I, I think it's always, you just always have to be in check. Yeah. Um, I also learned that, you know, you don't have to do it yourself. Mm. Um, you can ask for help. I'm still learning that. It's quite funny. So with my team, I would think that I would be able to do something and then they were like, okay, but how are you going to do this? <laughs> I'm like, it will happen. Like, I can do it. Like, then they were like, just ask for help if you need. <laughs> All right, we'll be here. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, I can ask for help. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I clearly forgotten that I have help. Um, so sometimes you kind of want to like take it upon yourself because you feel like responsible for it. But, you know, um, yeah, other people have made themselves available as well. Mm. So I think it's important to acknowledge that they are able to do the task very well as well yep. uh, and to make your life easier and to ac- accept that is is a learning journey to always be reminded of that is also a learning journey um yeah i'm curious to know how do your roles change how do your roles in the business change yeah. when uh you got more people to help more yeah. volunteers and interns to help how do your role change because you mentioned of your love for doing the the basics mm-hmm. of which is the sewing mm-hmm. the pattern making so do you still get to do that or have you been thrust into like a different role these days? Yeah. So, I mean, I love doing that, but but I've grown to love a lot to do a lot. Yeah, grown to love to do a lot other things, right? So, um, so yeah, as we go on, as we went on and I got a tailor to help and to support on that end, I end up not having to do very much of that. But at times when, you know, things... Um, still require immediate um, attention mm. and if my tailor can't do it I'll do it oh okay yeah so thank god the skills come in handy <laughs> <laughs> even though you haven't touched them for a bit so. yeah I mean I, I I guess I like it so much that I can it's almost like intuitive it's uh, mm. it's it's probably programmed already in my head too. so it's like riding a bike yeah pretty much okay maybe easier oh <laughs> interesting because <laughs> sometimes you know on the bike like i just i just i feel like i fractured the the, the tire of my bike which i need to like attend to soon but balance is difficult yeah i mean it's not so much about balance but it's how do you do it how do you ride a bike um properly i don't like, think it's a proper way to do it you just you just Right? Go and you hope that you don't fall down, you don't crash, no, there's no potholes. Yeah, yeah, so that's like survival 101, right? Yeah. But like as you progress, how do you how do you ride a bike such that you do not spoil the tires? So how <laughs> so I I've just been thinking about how I can ride more smoothly. A better seat? <laughs> <laughs> bigger tires <laughs> yeah probably bigger tires yeah, yeah, right yeah. but like i have problems with like even oh uh, like when i approach a curb yep i do like dash at it right uh, which, do you try to go up the curb yeah i do okay and 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 sometimes it's just such a abrupt like motion that it it it's it might be a bit too rough for the front tires. I think it's gonna happen nonetheless. I think there there is no getting around the grinding of the tires when you're on the when when you're riding it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm just thinking like, you know, maybe I could like like help. Help <laughs> with the impact a little bit more. You have to brace for impact, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> like is there a way to lift the bike a little bit? I think you might going? tip like that. 
<laughs> yeah, okay. So I might be overthinking this <laughs> with regards to the bicycle. <laughs> okay. But functionally, yeah. going back to the question, yeah. um, if there is a need for it, you can still stand in, let's say, for the sewing part. Yeah, I do. Uh, and then answering the rest of the question, mm. it's um, also how, I mean, so thank God, recently I've met this designer who is part of our team now. Mm. Um, having someone to attend to the design aspect is very helpful because then it allows me to look at the business uh, to attend to the overall strategy, right? Really just looking at the business now. Um and I think I'm hoping that that is what we will transition into. Mm. Um, yeah, I I I have grown to love a lot of other things. <laughs> like, what do you mean by that? So, I hold a full time job as well. What? <laughs> okay. <laughs> o- outside of William Well. Yeah, outside of William Well. Huh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. Um. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And and I mean, so so after studying with well, I sort of knew that I was going to do my master's. And then I just completed my master's uh, sometime in July. Uh, that was my final paper. It was on social innovation. Social innovation. Could you give a brief yeah. explanation of what that is to, for, to, 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 to people who might not know what that is? Yeah, so, so it's really, you know, how, how we can look at social issues and create and, and innovate solutions to address all of this. Okay. Right. It, it's very applicable across different industries, mm. uh, very applicable across different sizes, um, whether it's a nonprofit, whether it's a public, um, sector or uh, private sector mm. anything or social enterprise anything uh and how what are what are some ways that you can navigate around all the social problems right and of course going on that course just got me like exposed to so many other things in the world it gets me so excited and yeah i have then <laughs> um decided that after my masters i wanted to explore more mm. yeah um, in, in, is it in a particular space or mm. what do you mean by exploration? So it's it's very interesting. So where I am now is in the tech space. Interesting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, it's in the tech space. I'm learning about that space. I have no foundation in that space. I'm in fact quite a, quite a tech noob. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, but, but what I do is um so so this this uh at this new place mm. uh, or this this full at this full-time job yep. um i'm attending to uh a sustainability project oh yeah so it's it's really looking at uh how we can match um sustainability startups uh with corporates that potentially could help them to scale or yeah, take them to a different height. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, giving them that exposure. So that's that's a project I'm running, um, and it's interesting. Yeah, because it's a different space, um, but it's also important. It's I I don't know how to put this. Um, just because sustainability is is we we we're kind of in a place where we are threatened very much now um, by by the rate of things that has accelerated, mm-hmm. right? 
from industrialization to how capitalism has brought us. But I mean, I'm not going to talk about that because like we're, we're going to get into trouble talking about that. Uh, <laughs> this one end, we yeah. will have a few more episodes. But yep. but I mean, having said that, it's not all bad, right? Um, it's just it's just knowing that you know um, by a certain by a certain year mm. we Singapore might flood. That's it. Yeah, there have been yeah. really scary predictions. Yeah, less than hundred years from now, we're gonna be flooded in the west and the east side. <laughs> and by the way, in Singapore, the highest point is Bukit Timah. So if you wanna, <laughs> if you wanna, <laughs> yeah. if nothing progress yep. and if things. <laughs> And the global warming side has progressed faster. So the safe point is Bukit Timah. Yes. Good to know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit far west, but I think we have 100 years to get there. So it's cool. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah it's it's a rather pressing issue. Mm. Um, but like you said also, how inclusivity has been such a buzzword and has been so abused in some sense as well. Um, sustainability is also a topic. Yep. Right. Um, and I guess the, even for the word sustainability, there's so many facets to exactly. it. And when a, when let's say a brand or a corporation uses it, it might have a different meaning compared to when an activist or an individual would say something about it. And sometimes when you look at uh, the, the, the commercialization of such so, uh, societal issues, mm-hmm. it runs a bit of conflict. It does. Yeah, <laughs> it does. Um, and and how is it then? Yeah, how can how can organizations or how can we be honest with ourselves as to what we would like to do and what we can do at this point? I mean, if you say this is as much as I can do, nobody's gonna say nobody's gonna trash you, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, because it's a progress, right? Um as long as you mean well and you you you're doing your best, and that's that's is as it is. But don't don't misuse it. Don't greenwash things, because um, that's just the most. Yeah, it's it's appalling. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. Going back to what you you shared about the the full time job, you were you yeah. surprised to see so much innovation going on in Singapore that might not be known to uh the the, the public yeah. that they're actually people. Uh, working with science and technology and everything else to to innovate and to solve the problem of sustainability. Um, honestly, I don't think I've gotten to that point yet. Okay. <laughs> um, I haven't gotten to the point where I feel that um there has been a lot more. Yeah, but I think what I've gotten to is that you know maybe there could be a different. Yeah, I, I've been thinking about processes, right? How, how I mean, being doing well and well for a while now and, and one thing that we pride ourselves for is the way we approach our processes mm. um, and our design uh, and our design work. And, and that is something we think that uh, if, if more people could also apply a very similar approach, then designs could look rather different um and i think that's something that i'm uh what i'm thinking on the other hand on the sustainability side is is really um do people actually mean what they say to do uh like what we said right about um how people use this buzzwords um for marketing sake right um 
Yeah, and I think it's it's. I think what I'm making sense for myself at this point mm. is how much of that is okay and how much of it is not okay. What's what's the when is it that you cross the line? Um, because corporates can say that you know I represent this, but. You won't know until you go through the entire process, and then there are different faces started showing. Start mm, showing, mm. then you would know if they do mean or they do not mean. Yep. Um, yeah, I think it's only in these details that you see uh, the reality of things. And I guess I'm still in the process. <laughs> Is it also about a little bit about accountability as well? Because in the age that we're in, with social media and everything, I mean, conversation can happen in an instant with, yeah. with brands and everything. And I've seen many examples where if a brand were to say they want to do something, yeah. but on the flip side, they are still uh, doing certain practices that might run counterintuitive yeah. due to what they say. And they're actively being called out on social media to, yeah. to be accountable. I think the word is accountability yeah. because uh, before the internet, before social media, before this era of fast communication and stuff like that, I think holding an invisible board of directors of a company accountable mm. is not impossible. Yeah. But right now, because of the image that brands and corporations and entities have to portray, you can hold them to the fire a little bit. And not just brands and corporations, but even like people or government. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that, that is very interesting because, I mean, we, we could potentially go down a different route with this, you know, <laughs> Kevin? <laughs> where, where we hit it. <laughs> yeah, where we hit I have no clue by now. Yeah. But, but yeah, like you said, right? I think, I, I do agree. That's, after all, about accountability, right? And I think the, the more fundamentally, the more fundamental or something more bite-sized and more, um, apparent is that you know back again to integrity how can you check yourself right how can you be honest with yourself and I think that would be a first point of accountability to yourself as a person mm. right and then of course it trickles down to the people who you lead who you represent and yeah I totally agree um because it's interesting and in consideration of these problems, let's say sustainability, climate yeah. change, these are macro problems that no one individual themselves could solve. Yeah. And because the individual, because these are group problems yeah. and sometimes as an individual in a group, the responsibility of the individual kind of dissipates yeah. and you can absolve yourself of the responsibility and say, uh, I'm not contributing, I don't drive and stuff like that, but I, I use plastics and stuff like that. But point to person B, they mm. are the ones doing it because I think that is the group mindset because the individual kind of just lose themselves in the group and yeah because it is such a big problem it is it is it's not even a Singapore or like a Southeast Asia it's like the, it's like a global issue <laughs> it is it is yeah and how 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 does an individual even find uh, the will to to take a step forward to 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 um even find solutions to it I, yeah. I think I think that is really the that's quite commendable to, to to people actually actively pursuing uh solutions to it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, no, I mean I just gotta be really honest, man. Like I like I've just been thinking about how I should manage my food waste. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, okay. Right. It's like and leftovers and stuff like that. Yeah. How do you how do you manage them? Right. Uh, do you what what what's the best way to to go about doing that? Also, what's it that could- how the carrot laksa came about. <laughs> Um, to some extent. Okay. <laughs> I mean, the current laksa is probably just me being really easy with yeah. like the food that I eat, right? <laughs> and like, you know, when you have nothing else, all right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but it's also thinking about like, uh, like let's say your banana peels. How can you dispose it in a more, uh, yeah, in, in a better manner, right? And I've been trying to see how I can um, make my own compost. Ah, yeah. Okay, okay. For my cute plant. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so that 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 is also something I've been thinking about. You know, and what's <laughs> so another thought is then I only have one plant. Okay. But I have so much food waste. How okay. am I gonna? What am I gonna do with my excessive compost? Right, compost. What What am I gonna do? With it? I have no clue yet, and that's just something I've been thinking about, but. Yeah, I think I think these are these are small ways that we can keep ourselves accountable to if we say we care about certain stuff. I guess, yeah. And I guess it's always managing that uh, that tension mm. uh, with yourself. Also, I think mm, I think mm. that's something we uh, at sometimes have to be gracious to ourselves, be kind to ourselves, and know that you know um, you do mean well. Um, but as long as you keep yourself in check that, you know, you're not doing certain things because you are lazy or, you, you know, then, then, then I think you're progressing mm. after all. Um, I think the idea of being kind to yourself in whatever form or fashion is not talked about. Yeah, yeah. really? I think not just in the areas of uh, accountability yourself when, let's say, about sustainability and stuff like that, but I don't. I don't think it's a very common practice to to be kind to yourself. I mean, people work at breakneck speeds to to get something, and when they don't achieve it, and you get a whole host of uh, bad perceptions and negative feelings, be it internally or externally. Yeah. Yeah, and I think. I think that I, I I'm I'm curious to know your 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 thoughts on this. Um. Do you feel like Singapore is is taking steps in the right direction to address uh, these perhaps larger societal issues that we, we might be facing? Well, that's um, <laughs> that's a really big question. Um, just because, yeah, no, I, I, I think Singapore tries. Okay. Yeah, I think we try. Um, but after all, we also have our uh, limitations just because we are yeah fundamentally geographically um, very small <laughs> tiny <laughs> tiny uh, and how we started right and how we are right now mm. uh, what we realize about ourselves now that we are caught in uh, an, an endemic and, and realizing oh actually we are rather dependent on a lot of other stuff unfortunately Unfortunately, right we thought we were invincible when the news and the media portrayed us as the first whatever 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 but you only realize when yeah when all this is 
uh, are, t- are taken um, apart um, in some ways or another. And I think because we are trying, um, it's still worth the fight. Yeah, it's still worth the fight. Um, yeah, I can. I can't think of you know a perfect way to do things, right? And I think as long as, like we said again, as long as our leaders are accountable, um, our systems are uh, transparent in some sense. Um, see, the thing about transparency also is sometimes you can't show everything because hmm. you need to protect yourself as well. It's like oh, national security. Yeah, no, national and security like that, and stuff yeah. like that, right? And like, I mean, it's hard to make a comment about it as a layman. Yep, because hopefully there are things that uh, not every person should know. Yeah. Only a select group. But I think that therein lies the 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 paradox. Yeah, <laughs> it is. <laughs> or like a paradox of modern society because if everybody knows something, then... Um, it could prove to be a national risk. And if it's a national risk, then um, the, the the end point of that particular train of thought could be even worse off than what you have now. But if it's closed off, then people start to question why well, I think I'm moving exactly. this way. Yeah. So it's, and and I think this is really like, there's something that I always like to think about is the, the unintended consequences of things, right? Mm. Or the well-meaning actions. Exactly. Yeah. And I think this is something that, you know, as long as we think about it, as long as we can account- be accountable to that, then all right, we just try our best, really. Like, we do our best. And I think, really, Singapore, we do try. We can try better, but yeah, I guess um, it's not the effort of only the government, I must say. Mm. Uh, I I think, as I'm saying this, I think you and I are accountable to it too. Um and anyone else who's listening to this, uh, yeah, we are all accountable to the future that we say we want to live, we want to see. Um, yeah. A couple more questions before we end the yeah. uh, recording. Um, I'm curious to know what went into the thought process for the name Will and Well? <laughs> it's quite funny. Did you just like the words? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Okay. okay. The three words you like best, will and well. I, I, I wouldn't even call Anne a word. So will, oh, yeah. well. well. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's 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 kind of catchy. It is. It yeah. is. Um. So so this really is a story because um, uh, when I was doing my final year project, um, mm. I was doing it with two other friends. I I had roped two other friends to do it with me because I know that there's no way I can do all of it myself mm. to make a good case in point. That was what I wanted to do for my final year project. Um and and these two friends came along and they 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 really did a good job um to make um to 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 make the final year project a, a bam. Yeah. Like a bang. And then um so my good friend Caroline um, who was doing the branding side of things? Um, <laughs> she she thought about Will and Well when she was in the toilet. Oh, like where most good ideas yeah. come from? Okay, okay. 
I I get that. Okay. Yeah. So it's it's a toilet idea. Yep. Uh, and then okay, she got out of the toilet. She she brought it out. She brought it up to us, and she said, "Hey, you know, I I thought of all this 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 ideas," and we're like, "Oh no, that that sounds really nice, but what does it mean?" No idea. <laughs> toilet idea. <laughs> all right, all right. So we put it to the teacher nonetheless because we thought, you know, there's a ring to it. Yep, there is a ring um, to it. And then teachers like teacher liked it teacher didn't care much for what it really meant behind that and okay never mind we finished our final project and then that was when when i have to take the the brand on uh, as a business mm. uh when it really like hit like there's no way kevin asked me and i end the story by saying it's toilet idea full stop why not right <laughs> <laughs> So that was something that I refused to like leave with. Okay. And so I started thinking about, you know, um, maybe I should change it to another name or mm. something else, right? But I was really pondering about it along with all the other business things that I had no clue about. <laughs> um, then that was kind of when things got really like things were tough. Uh like like you said when I was doing it myself, when when you do it yourself and all that. I mean I I used to go to the library um, to pick up accounting books for accounting noobs. Um, Those are accounting tomes, not yeah, books. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Those are not books. <laughs> there you a book go. is meant to be read. That is meant to be <laughs> done something with. Yeah. <laughs> oh, to decompose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, perhaps. Um, yeah. But but yeah, and then I would read like like um business laws and fall asleep and try to like open my eyes again to read it yeah. somewhere. And that was really when um you know I, I, I actually questioned myself if whether I should do this even. Mm. Like should I really even do the try business. and set a business? Yeah. And and it was when the going got tough that um, I mean, so so I'm a Christian and I, I hold close to my relationship with God. Mm. Um, and that was when I sort of just felt a sense of um, encouragement that, that sounded like this, right? Uh, Lisa, if you have the will to do this for me, then I will make it well for you. Oh. And that made complete sense. Yeah for my customers mm. because when I got that sense of comfort it instantly made sense for me about what where and well will mean that if our customers have the will to live a good life then we'll be here to make it well for them yeah so that was that was clear for me that um, okay I will do it I, I will do it and and this is what it will mean for our customers as well. And that seems to have been uh, a guiding principle for the company since. Yeah. Has there been instances where you might have, you or your team might have a particular idea, but because it, it deviates from this core idea, mm. you, might, you guys might have to give it up and still question yourselves as to why are we doing this? What is the reasoning for? Has there been instances like that? No, we do that all the time, my goodness. Okay. So like uh, even to today, like um, as we are growing the company, mm. as we are introducing new elements to things uh, structurally, um, yeah, it's, it's amazing that even my intern would ask, why are we doing this? Right? And of course, um, uh, of 
course, then I would explain with the way I had thought about it. And, and that's why we do agree to do certain things. Oh, mm. uh, and they get it. Um, and, and I guess that, that has, it's, 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 it's very, it's, um, it's something that we always keep in check with. Yeah, even even if it means to put out a message about certain thing or represent something, we will ask ourselves, does this does this really um serve the purpose that we say we are out to serve, right? If not, then yeah, no. Scrap we're not. It. Yeah, scrap. Yeah. Um yeah, and, and it's it I think honestly, thankfully for this it makes it so much easier to make decisions. Mm. I guess that's what principles and values do for us, yep. right? Yep. Um, there is a certain integrity there. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully. <laughs> so, I think one of the last couple of questions I have is, how has your idea of fashion changed? Because you initially mentioned that you, you, you were interested in uh, the, the basics of fashion mm -hmm. and you were looking at blogs mm -hmm. and looking at all these pictures and stuff like that. But after going through the whole process and knowing that the, the, the business still has a really bright future, has, how, how has your idea of fashion changed? No, very, very interesting. I really like that question just because very recently on it, then I got to start thinking about. So when I had started, like I told you and I expressed it, uh, how how I felt that the social space has been so welcoming. Um, and honestly, the design space was not the first mm. space that 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 um saw like helped like supported the journey. And it was it was disappointing mm. uh when I had started off. Um and so I had I had I, I don't hold, you know, the fashion industry very close to my heart just because I, I feel like a lot of it I don't relate with. Mm. A lot of it I don't, I, I can't get away around it as yep. well. Um, but recently I started thinking about the, I mean, it's 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 very prominent about uh, the state of the craft that we're headed towards in the sense that, um, yeah, your, your tailors are no longer getting younger. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and no one's picking up the craft. Nobody's picking up the craft. Nobody wants to sew. Nobody wants to do pattern drafting. No, mm, yep. Nobody's paying for that. <laughs> My dad is actually a tailor and he laments to me all the time. <laughs> Damn, what? You totally understand. Oh my God. Yeah, that, at least from my perspective. Yeah. Uh, to go off on a little bit of tangent, from my perspective, there seems to be a gap yes. like between the, the people of his generation which are very well proficient in tailoring and all those other things. Mm. But there is a gap from my generation, the generation above me and maybe below me. No one's taking it up mm. because it is not a very uh, uh, excitable craft. You're always behind the scenes unless you have a shop. Uh, you're always behind the scenes. You're yeah. always getting commissioned and there's also the problem of outsourcing. Eh? Yeah. yeah. No, 100%. And and that's a, uh, oh, that's so painful. It's so scary to mm. think of even running a fashion business in like, Singapore, no in less. In Singapore, yeah. yes. <laughs> you can't imagine in, in say, 25 years down the road, <laughs> you don't know where there's anybody <laughs> going to make clothes for you, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and then, so so that's like a, 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 like a pain point, right? Like mm. a challenge that I know that we will come to at some point. But then recently, I started thinking about, you know, if, if, 
if we presented the craft in a different way, if the craft could be challenged from the way patterns and clothing were made from industrialization time, mm-hmm. could, could it make the craft more exciting? Because now we're talking about innovation, mm-hmm. right? If, if innovation can happen with the craft, if you would, so so I think that the way we look at patterns um, at Will Well is rather unconventional. So that's why also back to one of the questions about is it difficult to look for people? Yes, it's so hard to even convince my tailors or, or tailors um, of the way we approach our patterns. Could you explain that? Yeah, so we would we would tell them that you know this area needs to have this area. Like the the butt area, you cannot draw a pattern this way. You gotta draw it with a, a different contour, and you really have to create a dot at the back of your butt. Yep. And they'd be like, "What? Like, no! Like, we have made clothes mm. for thirty years, years yeah. and nobody makes pants like this. So, no." Mm. Okay, so so that that was my initial challenge. Really, like every time I look for a tailor, like I always. I don't do with two kinds. One kind, which is the more common one, is the one that says, no, this is not possible. But thank God also for the other ones who say, oh, this is this is different, but let's try it. Oh. Yeah. So thank God for this tailors that mm. we actually get to do what we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and then I never quite saw that, you know, like, I mean... It, it has just been a thing we had to deal with and I thought, uh, no one else needs needs to deal with this. But I started thinking that, you know, if the craft had this kind of elements, if the craft was being pushed in this direction, it could make the craft really interesting because until today, I still pattern draft myself. Mm. I still pattern draft my clients' clothes. And and I like it. It's, it's a lot of fun. And when I have to teach my interns about it, it's like opening their eyes to new a different way of doing things and the possibilities of the craft from then on could could be the future could could at least see some light (laughs) you know um yeah and then how how can we bring this education to schools Mm -hmm. how can we bring this message to your yeah your future potential fashion designers Mm. Um, and craftsmen actually um yeah and maybe if if some of this changes the industry the the way businesses are being run could potentially be rather different as well yeah and then yeah i have it in my head right Mm. (laughs) (laughs) but like uh, how how far must I bring this to how long must I do this before it becomes a reality and be, before it just dies out altogether? What do you think is hindering us from perhaps taking a step towards that direction? Um uh, I think Oh my gosh, this is gonna sound a little offensive, but I like <laughs> I do not want to offend anyone here, but I think mm. that the teachers in schools are too comfortable. Mm. Yeah. Um, people are comfortable. People are too comfortable doing the things 
that they have been taught to do, they don't think beyond what they were taught. Mm. Uh, and because of that, it's not just teachers, really. Sometimes even more often than not, leaders, leaders of the industries, they talk a lot mm. about, you know, how the future should have been like this or that, you know. They talk about the past mm. um, a bit too often. Uh, I agree. <laughs> uh, and not the future. Yep. Because, and, and they can't talk about the future because they are so caught up in the past and the present, they can barely imagine what the future could look like. Mm. And because of that, it, it serves as a hindrance to the future generation and what could potentially be the future because these are the people who are holding the seats. Mm. Uh, I do have a problem with that. <laughs> <laughs> I have a big fat problem with that. <laughs> I always found uh, the the idea of nostalgia and looking to the past to be a bit insidious because if if you were to really consider the future, the future is never going to look anything like the past and the past only serves to to perhaps inform and to educate a little bit, but a lot of the judgment and even the plans you make for the future should be forward thinking and you shouldn't be looking back to to make those decisions. Yeah, yeah, quite exactly. And when we talk about forward thinking, then what is it? What, what does that really look like? Or what does it even mean? Yeah. yeah. Because people would have different conceptions of what the future will look like. Yeah. And because people care for different things. Yeah. And unless you have... Uh, a really wide group of, of diverse individuals with different minds and uh, different ways of thinking and different uh, problems and challenges they face unless you get them all in a group and you talk it out it's never gonna uh, be it's never gonna fit this idea of inclusivity and stuff like because how of so th there was this video that I watched some time back um it basically says that the world you see and and the world that you interact with is not meant for you because it is for the average individual and the average individual, you will never fit the average individual because whether be it your your disabilities or your able-bodied or anything, because it's always of a very like nebulous criteria. So I think that the simplest way I can think of in a way, it's like how a lot of things are catered towards right-handers, mm. but there are people with uh, more accustomed to using their left hand, but yeah. that is just overlooked. Yeah. So that was a fantastic video and it made me think that is true because the way systems are made up is to cater to quote-unquote the average and the majority mm. um, for the sake of efficiency and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But I believe we are at this point in time where we are thinking about the, 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 the other group, the, the entire picture and to bring everybody up to uh, uh, a level that is, is comfortable for everybody. It's not just to cater to, to the majority of people. Yeah, quite right, quite right. And I think... Yeah, I think you can think that, you know, William Law is trying to do that as well, in some sense. I'm curious to know, though, why why is this idea of serving this community of people, why yeah. is it important to you? Well, I don't think it's necessarily only persons with disabilities, in all honesty, right? I think it's, I think it's anyone out there. I, I mean, I think a lot of what may seem to be um, uh, the the area that we're serving right now is is largely from the way we started, mm. right? But at the back of my mind, or somewhere in my mind, I'm thinking about I'm thinking about 
famine issues in in Africa. Uh, yeah, and 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 the problem statements that they have are very interesting. Um, so I've heard from um, a friend who was just driving past the street in Africa and that that into that village, and he's saying that there are a lot. Um, so so these are farmers. They have a lot of food and crops that they have mm. harvested, mm. but because there's no market for it, uh, they end up burning their food. Interesting. Yeah, and when they start burning their food, mm. then you're gonna have air pollution issues. You're gonna yep. have uh, land, right? Land, land um, waste issues and all that scarcity as well. Sc- yeah, <laughs> it's it's all sorts of other problems that they face with, and these things these things bother me as well, right? Um, it's just that at this point, I do not have uh, a way around it, mm. so. Yeah, hopefully, some time yep. um, or or someone else could attend to that uh, with the resource. Then, then, yeah, I think I think um, I I would very much hope to see uh, a solution to that. Or uh, yeah, their their needs being met in some ways or another. So yeah, I I guess I guess Wilma has been positioned in a way uh, where we. Uh, we had started off that way, but even even having said that about will and well, honestly, uh, we have also been representing groups that we think uh that that we think that we have the the, the capacity to support as well. Mm-hmm. So one of it is the uh the COVID um the CMSC group, which is uh an organization that supports the migrant workers in Singapore. Yep. So. They actually, I mean, we knew that they had a campaign going on. Uh, they were trying to fund $800,000 mm. or maybe even a mill. God knows, I forgot now. Uh, but they were really trying to get a lot of money to to support this group of people. Back in the days when we were in lockdown, under the lockdown. Um, and and we thought, yeah, it's it's at the time that we thought we were going to pull out Give Me a Hand mm. um, because, geez, it got to be the best time to 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 bring these cuts out because people are stuck with their loved ones now. Yep. And when would be the a better time <laughs> <laughs> to get people to, or when would we face with such pressing needs to then talk about these things especially now that you're stuck with one another and then to think that hey our migrant friends on the other hand are feeling really upset because they cannot be with their family exactly what irony isn't Mm. it and so we thought okay you know what our cuts might not be ready yet we have the structure of the game already let's put it put put a bit of it up and then you know um do a pay-as-you-wish campaign and then um, donate the entire sum to support the CSMC group. And we did very much that. And and that was what we could represent back then, right? Um, and then recently, they asked for masks, uh, reusable masks for, their, uh, for, for the migrant workers as well. And so we decided, okay, we're going to start a campaign um, asking, you know, 
anyone who would like to sponsor, they can purchase it. We will mm. make it and produce it for them. Yeah. Uh, in support of of the needs that there are. Um, and then when when the Afghan uh situation broke out, mm. um, there was also a a time that we really I was really trying to think about how we can we can be a part of, you know, how can we support this in a meaningful way? Uh, not just, not just, you know, um, putting another post or leveraging. Statements or, or yeah, making statements. Like that. That's yeah. it, right? Um, so what we did was, I mean, because, so this is rather linked to my, uh, my network from um, my social innovation course. Mm. I have this really good friend who, was really on the front um, supporting the 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 women of Afghan mm-hmm. back then. And she, on the other hand, is trying to get these people to escape wow. the country. So she was on the front doing that. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know how I can do that in Singapore, mm. but how can I, how can I help? Right. And so we did a talk uh, where, so she helped this Afghan woman to escape. And then this Afghan woman actually um, did the talk um, for people. Yeah. Like so, so what we could do to push the education and to give a proper impression of what really is going on, uh, what we could do was to you know blast it on our own platform and say, hey, we have this talk going on. Mm. Come and you know learn about it. Yep. And then we added like um, credible links that uh, people could donate directly to. Mm. Yeah, so I I think we try and represent um, groups that, you know, needs a voice, needs a platform. And honestly, we do not have the biggest platform. We do not even have a big platform even to say, (laughs) right? We're small. But even with the small that we have, um, it's still a space. Yep. Um, We are being authentic to what you you guys say and stand for. Yeah, yeah. And and we, we, we put it out there nonetheless and we try our best in, in the best ways that we can afford right um yeah i think i think that sort of answers your definitely <laughs> the idea of sponsorships is yeah. also common in i think one of the campaigns that you all run right yes which is i think is it the be the difference campaign? yes yeah 100 oh my gosh be the difference makes me so excited all the time just because it's a heck to the problem that we have what is the problem the problem is cost and your father would know this very well. <laughs> you will also know this very well, right? Um, uh, cost is always a problem when it comes to customization, when Definitely. it comes to tailoring, right? And um, the people who normally can afford this belongs to a different yeah, social income group. Yeah. Social group, yeah. Yeah, very different groups. Um, but the needs do not only limit to people in that yes. social group, unfortunately. Yep. Um, and so... We we want to meet needs, and how can we meet needs even though we have this uh, resource constraint, right? Uh, our seamstress needs to be paid as well, fairly, and so we thought, okay, if we could match well wishes, who are people who would like to support our clients who um, cannot afford our products and services, um. Yeah, and if people could also reach out to um, their, their own network of people who they know might have these needs, mm. uh, they, they can nominate yep. 
right? So so there's this there's this structure that goes around be the difference, and mm. that's kind of how uh, we support the needs as we um, always um, as we try our best to 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 attend to. Yeah. yeah, that was a brilliant campaign, really. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> super brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it makes me it it's it's yeah, it's really that campaign really meets the needs. That's it, as yep. it as it is. Yeah. yeah, I think my last question for the night is: What does success mean to you right now in twenty twenty one going to twenty twenty two? After you having run the business and meeting all these people, mm. what, what does it mean to you? Has it changed? Uh, no, I always have to keep myself in check about that, right? Um, I had thought about that properly before. And one thing that I, the conclusion is that for me, success would mean that if pe- people are my KPIs. Could you please explain that? Yeah, so as long as we're able to, as long as I am able to, meet the needs of people um, to be there for people when they need me um, when they do not actually have the kind of attention that they uh, need and I say need because um, sometimes um, people are not given the kind of emotional uh, even emotional support in fact um, a lot of my clients with physical needs mm-hmm. more often care for emotional needs more than their physical needs. Do you, do you mean to say that they have uh, emotional needs to be cared for? As yeah. Opposed, oh, interesting. Yeah. And, and to even mm, to even be attended to emotionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can sometimes be apparently more important yeah. than having their physical needs met. And that is, I would imagine, a lot more difficult because you can't see it. Oh, yeah. You, and first of all, you, someone has to communicate the emotional need. Yeah. And if that is missing, I feel that we as humans, we we are very bad with things we can't see. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just because we just... <laughs> We rely on our eyes too much. Yes, we do. <laughs> my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. To only be reminded that we do have other senses as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So I I think, you know, if if a person's need is being met in one way or another, then I think um yeah, I, I think that is that is success to me in some ways. I, I think yeah, people are lives are very important. Lives matter a lot, and and whatever that state of the quality of the life um, that the person may have, and if if I can help to improve or bring some form of a solution to that, um, then yeah, I think I think. I count that as success. Uh, I count it as worthwhile. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. It's almost like a, a service onto others. Yeah. That's really amazing. Um, before we end, is there yeah. anything you would like to ask me? 
Um, <laughs> very interesting. I wanted to ask about the vintage clothes around here, okay. just because I just because I'm sitting in this space and I'm smelling this clothes that that I recognize so well, like the smell of vintage. Yep. Yeah, is is my past. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> I mean, just because I used to, I I do have a huge stash of vintage yep. hats yep. and and clothes, and I yep. used to like like I was a scavenger in yep. in in these spaces yep. and yeah. So we are in the amazing uh, Death Strat space. So that's the name of the the the, the shop. Uh, they have been selling vintage clothing. I think for like three three and a half years. <sighs> so I think there was a real uh there was a real boom of interest and demand I think three three to four years back yeah. because of, I think cultural reasons people started picking up it could be sustainability I think the trend really came from the west yeah. and when people realized hey these clothes are actually quite cool um, yeah. it has a story to them there's a certain uh, level of authenticity yeah. it, like, like there's a whole lot of reasons as to why uh, there is such a high valuation for these shirts yeah. and I think interestingly enough at least from what I've heard, for 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 certain uh, pop culture related memorabilia, yeah, the more wear and tear it has, the higher the value. Yeah. So there's a lot of really really interesting facets to this particular culture, and right. it's driven a lot by a uh, demands from I think people my and your age and even younger because of what they see online. They see uh, their favorite celebrities all wearing like this shirt from the 90s and they're like oh where do I get that yeah. they wear like a Marvel t-shirt from like the 80s and the 90s oh where do I get that and I think this really caters to that demand which is interesting because it, it solves the idea of oh maybe I will buy something from Uniqlo but I buy something that has really existed so in in, in a way it, it kind of solves the, the, the problem of, of sustainability instead of people going to buy from a shop they buy something second hand or even third hand right well, thanks for explaining that. But yeah, no, I, I want to claim that question again that you have. Um, I actually have my give me a hand deck here. And, I see it. <laughs> and can you draw one card? And I would like to hear your answer to that. Okay, hold on. Okay. Oh, uh, oh no okay. worries about that. Okay, I got it. If, okay, so the question is, if you could make a rule for a day that everyone has to follow, what would it be? Aha, uh -huh, yes. <laughs> Hmm. I'm not prepared for this question. Let me think. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Everyone has to follow. Yeah. Okay, assuming that I have a lot of faith in, in people following the rule. Yeah. The only answer I can give you that it's... Uh, the only answer I could give you right now is for for people to actually take the time to to understand themselves. Mm. Mm, yeah partly because I I believe a lot in the agency of the self and I believe that that is uh, a very under that is a need that people might not A realize that they, they, they should tend to and B it's not as talked about because living in Singapore you are kind of shoehorned into a particular path um, be it, I think back 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 when I was back in school, it's more of the education, and you're shoehorned into oh, you do this for four years, you do that for six years, you do that for four years, and dun, 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 you're like thirty five and forty, and you have been pushed along this path. And I think 
that reality is very um common for some people because mm. of different expectations of the family, the external family, and that I think it's important for an individual to realize what um what who they are and what they stand for, and to also acknowledge that that is an ever changing process and not be too um fixed on that. The idea that anything is fixed in this world it's a bit silly yeah. because but because we in in society it builds up this certain sense of order and to to order that, that people can trust in like the MRT the stations mm. trains we we need that but the idea that anything of the self anything to do with humans or the self is inherently fixed i think that's a bit silly yeah yeah no, thanks for sharing that. No, I love that. <laughs> That's the answer I have saved back in my head. <laughs> yeah. But as I said, that is assuming that people, humans in general, even follow rules. I mean, we yeah. have a lot of rules, but it is to our benefit and dismay that we're able to think 50 different ways to, to go about this particular rule. It's, it's really to our benefit and dismay because that is how uh, innovation great innovations could happen yeah. and the the worst criminal acts could also happen. Yeah. yeah. So I think you got to take the good of the bad, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. It's this whole spectrum that uh, it's called the human experience. No, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely. So uh, where can people find you? Where can people find Will and Well? Um, you can find Will and Well um, on www.willandwell.com. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, on our Instagram, actually, uh, a lot of a lot more happenings happen over there. Uh, like like the different things that we care for, we we do share on those platforms as well. You get the most the latest news there. Um, Facebook will be the second place, and then. We are currently doing our artist residency at Orchard NLB. Mm. Um, it's a beautiful space. We're very thankful for the opportunity. Uh, I love the library. <laughs> I can tell. I think I might have surmised that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's so nice that we and well can be there. Yep. Um, Do, okay, quick question, quick tension yeah. actually. Do you think the ideas of or the, the idea of a library would diminish as uh, people move a lot of the publication and there's a lot more focus of of, of publicating uh, to online. No, this is very interesting because I actually spoke to the librarian about this, yeah. right? And what I realized is that the NLB actually holds such great weight on their shoulders because they have to follow with the ever-changing trends and technology and innovation. And they themselves as well are, are keeping up with that. Right. And God knows how NLB might look like in, in the future. But mm. at least for now, we are thankful that, you know, we can actually even borrow books online. Oh, definitely. Right. And just like read ebooks and all that. So I think they, they are, I gotta say, I think they are doing a really good job in that and still, um, using their physical space to be very relevant. They are putting out, like, I, I think, you know, if, if you have no idea where, you know, like how people go to like times, whatever, to look for mm. what's the latest uh, Novel, events yeah. and yeah, right. Um, I think NLB actually has pretty good events curated, even physically um, for, for, their, for their audiences. And yeah, it really got me thinking about how the library might seem like a quiet 
um, and and the role of a librarian might mm. might be something that is so unknown and un- yeah, and so quiet, right? Um, in more ways than one. Yeah, yeah, in more ways than one, and yet they are quietly moving rather aggressively with the speed of the society, and that itself is just something else. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But back to that, we are there till the end of the year. Uh, which is coming to an end soon. Yeah. Uh, and then God knows where we will be moving to. Yeah. <laughs> I hope the answer will be clear to you soon. Yes. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. <laughs> um, thank you, Lisa. Thank you for your time and the fantastic conversation. Likewise, Kevin. Appreciate you. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode and feel inspired. If you enjoyed what you heard thus far, do give us a follow on Instagram. And don't forget to share and subscribe. Stay tuned for the next episode.